This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Good evening. I'm Maureen McGrath, and this is the Sunday Night Health Show, a show all about health. It's been said your health is your wealth and leads to a longer, happier life and even better relationships, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, and yes, 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 even sexual health. That's the cue to put the kitties to bed because we always uncover what lies beneath the covers. Listener discretion is advised. I have a passion for evidence-based health information to guide you so that the life you lead is the best it can be. My aim is to provide you with up-to-date information so that you know there are options for treatment for whatever ails you. Please, however, do consult with your medical doctor. On the program tonight, we're going to talk about sexual frequency, divorce, anxiety, trauma, career, health conditions, addiction, relationships, love, sexuality, and of course, summer fun. But it is Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to everybody out there, all of you wonderful dads. Happy Father's Day to my father, an amazing man, and uh, always gave me great advice. Andrew, how are you this evening? Uh, Well, you know what? Andrew and I had a chat earlier, and he was telling me about his uh, uh, Father's Day, and uh, I thought it was pretty cool. He actually bought his dad a barbecue um, and helped him put it together. And that's great when a father and son have a great relationship. Being a father is quite a responsibility. And I think in this era of Me Too, the role fathers have on daughters cannot be overstated. You know, I, I really think that uh, the way my life has gone, I've certainly had influence from my father uh, in many different ways. And, um, and you... You know, you think of the advice that your father has given you over, over time, and uh, one of the most, uh, one of the, uh, the probably the most frequent bit of wisdom he's provided me has been, uh, whenever I, I, I have my own business, and so whenever I pick up a new contract, he says, "Are they paying you?" And have they paid you yet? And so he's, uh, that could be the Irish in him. That could be the accountant in him. I'm not sure. But um, if you have some great wisdom that your father has uh, bestowed upon you as a woman, I would love to hear from you. So you can give me a call, one 399 9898 or you can email me, com. So I put this out on Facebook today and um, asked people, you know, uh, sometimes the wisdom isn't or the advice isn't always the traditional or conventional what we think. And, and there was a part in a movie, the, and it was also a book called The Glass Castle. I don't know if you have read that book or not, but it was about a father who raised his four children uh, really without any material goods. Uh, he was a brilliant man, and he was drawing a home that they were eventually going to live in, the glass castle. And and he uh, continued on these drawings. But these, these kids were really uh, brought up like gypsies. Uh, but he educated them about the stars and the moon and astrology and the earth and and land and, and really what it takes to survive and, and spirituality. And But of course, they felt very different from other people. But at, at one point, one of the daughters says... Um, you know, all of her friends had, or they, the kids throughout would say, you know, the friends had all these things. They had bikes and they had toys and they had um, clothing and, you know, they could buy whatever they wanted and they really felt different from the kids in school. And, and the father said, when, you're, when your friends' uh, things are old and broken, you will always have the stars. And I love that because it's in, it's those things that, 
your father teaches you that are uh, not necessarily monetarily uh, the monetary items. It's it's the other wisdom. Like another bit of advice that my father gave me was always live right and and or do the right thing. And you know somehow you would come up with what the right thing was and and doing the right thing. And so. I put this out on Facebook. What was the best piece of advice your father ever gave you? Um, and uh, it was amazing how a few people had actually said um, that, you know, similar to mine, you know, how much are you getting paid? Or there was some reference to, to getting paid. But um, Kathy Chenna uh, said that her dad gave her lots of advice. There were so many. Uh, Don't talk when you eat. That's, that's a good one. Settle down. <laughs> Is that a classic father one? Settle down. No more adventures for you. And always be yourself. Great advice. Um, another, uh, uh, Kathy La- K- Casey Lashman, who's an author, always be your curious, questioning self. And in fact, my nickname from my father growing up was Curious George. So these are all really supportive um, uh, comments. And uh, Jody Vance, who's well known to this station, uh, said that her father said, believe that you can do anything and uh, another Facebook friend of mine, anyway, Terry Lynn Abbey, she said that attitude is everything. She's a, a business owner as well. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's really interesting that um, these successful women had, you know, what sounds like uh, solid fathers, which is it's such a big responsibility to be a father. And it's the most important job you could ever have. Uh, and so I think it has something to do with uh, the success, especially of of your daughters. Uh, now, that's not to say my father's not a chauvinist, and he certainly shows that every now and again as well, so nobody's perfect. Um, like, he didn't really like to play golf with women. Really, he taught me how to play golf, and then he didn't actually... He would play with me, because I was his daughter and his other daughters, but he wouldn't like to play with other... Uh, he didn't like to play on Ladies' Day. The ladies slowed it down, and he had all sorts of things to say about that. Um, also, Erica Harris said that her dad taught her the love of success and working hard to play hard. It was his advice, she said, who she looked up to when she set up her own business several years ago. She attributed much of her thriving practice to her father setting such examples on such great examples on her path. Also, he nicknamed her Bear. And she thought that had rung true in her path. She's also been a guest on this program, and she has certainly struggled um, health-wise. She's had a a lung transplant and a bone marrow transplant, and uh, she is fierce. And she is also fiercely a mama bear. She's got a couple of kids, and she utilizes her strength, power, and resilience. I mean, this woman is somebody to, I mean, she's just amazing. Um, the power and resilience within her is just incredible. And the I've never met anybody with such an optimistic approach uh, to life, especially um, with all of the challenges that she has faced. So, so you know, to all the dads out there, all the amazing dads out there, uh, it's, um, you know, it's an honor uh, to be a father, I am sure. It's something to take very seriously. Not everyone's that great at it. And uh, you have to, uh, you know, we have to, it takes a lot of sacrifice uh, to do that, uh, to be a father and to be a good father and to be dedicated and to, you know, hang out with your kids, just hang out with them, do things with them, teach them things, teach them how to perhaps play golf or um, bike ride or play hockey or play 
Uh, did I mention golf already? Uh, anyway, swim. Um, you know, do those things with them and, you know, go outside of your comfort zone. Accept your children for who they are. If they, they're they not soccer players, you know what? That's okay. You don't force them to be a soccer player because every other kid in the neighborhood is a soccer player. If they're going to lie down on the field like mine did, <laughs> just let them lie down there and have a nap. <laughs> not interested. I, I do recall one of mine, uh, hockey, was, um, you know, it was a, a, not a passion of mine, that's for sure. <laughs> And definitely not a passion of his, but it was certainly a passion of his father's. And and so at age five, I said, what was the best part of the season? As I dressed him every game, freezing, pregnant, uh, <laughs> and in those hockey rinks, and nauseous. Not to mention, I had hyperemesis gravidarum, for any of you who don't know what that is. That is persistent vomiting throughout pregnancy. And so I said, what was your favorite part of the hockey season? And he said, the pizza party at the end. I thought, mine too. That was my favorite part. You're not going back to hockey Anyway, <laughs> picked it up later on, so don't worry about that. You know what? There's always the few years later they might think, I want to play this hockey thing. Um, but nonetheless, accept your children for who they are, especially in terms of their sexuality. It, allow them to express uh, the their sexuality and allow them to be with whomever it is that they want to be. Uh, it's, it's the best gift that you can give to your children, your child, um, and, you know, love them, love them. And, and also the other thing is there's so many um, issues that, you know, we all come from dysfunctional families. As in my family, we always say we put the fun in dysfunction, but we certainly recognize the dysfunction in the family. And, you know, trauma can really impact uh, your life as an adult. And so if you've experienced trauma in terms of neglect or poverty or abuse or an alcoholic parent or a parent who is addicted to another substance, this is traumatic for children. They This often comes out later on in adulthood and then they struggle in relationships and careers and also with their own children because they guess at what normal behavior is so they don't necessarily know what it is. So we're going to be talking a little bit more about that. Uh, when I come back. But first, we're going to be talking as soon as I return. I've got Kim Vopney. She is a vagina coach. We're going to be talking about diastasis, symphysis, pubis. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. I'm a registered nurse and a nurse continence advisor. Earlier in the program, I did ask you to send me to either email me or uh, give me a call about fatherly wisdom that you have received on this glorious Father's Day. And it's Dear Maureen, my dad always said, never let fear stop you from trying new things, because if you do, you may miss out on great opportunities. Also, if you had $10 in your pocket and you came across someone who needed it, you give it, because it will always find its way back to you. Good karma. A wonderful dad. Oh, that's so great. Reg Topping, Essex, Ontario. I guess I can say that on the air. That's wonderful. That's from his daughter, Annette. So that's so lovely. Uh, you know what? Be a good father. It's a great... You'll, you'll reap the benefits later, and karma pre- always prevails. Well, now we're just going to go a little lower here. Uh, as I mentioned, I am a registered nurse and a nurse continence advisor. I've also worked in reproductive health, and, and that was one of the problems I saw. You know, I worked with uh, women who were having babies, and uh, I managed... Um, a, a large perinatal and pediatric services, and I realized, hey, nobody's talking about sex here. So yeah, I've been talking about sex ever since. But there's something that may affect your sex life, and I've actually had a number of emails about this recently. 
Uh, so dads, listen up, okay? But but this is a condition that uh, may affect a woman during pregnancy. Diastasis symphysis pubis. It's an abnormal widening of the of the pubic symphysis, and it is one of the medical conditions causing pain in pregnancy. So I brought in one of the experts, Kim Vopney. She is a vagina coach. She is the vagina coach. I'm the vagina whisperer. She's the vagina coach, and she's here in the studio. And we're going to talk about this, diastasis symphysis pubis, and also diastasis rectus. And then I'm going to ask you to say those three times, and then you might win the prize later. Anyway, welcome to the studio, Kim. Great to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to have you. So uh, this is a this is a problem for a lot of women and, and one that maybe they have not been educated about prior to getting pregnant. And uh, like many things, like many. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nobody tells you. Yeah. Uh, so tell me how this causes pain in pregnancy and, and what exactly this is and, and how we can handle it. Yeah, so um, SPD is a, a much easier way to say it. So let's say that symphysis pubis diastasis or you can people say it, you know, PSD, all sorts of things. But um, essentially the pubic joint, so at the very front, people think of it as a pubic bone, but we actually have a joint there. And, and in pregnancy, it's normal to have some widening. Mm-hmm. The, the pelvis is making some room for babe and birth and all that kind of stuff. And so that's considered a normal process, but if it widens more than what would be considered that normal range, then it can be, and even before it actually widens beyond that range, it can still contribute to pain. So the most common sort of signs and symptoms would be standing on one leg, rolling over in bed, standing to put a pair of pants on, getting in and out of a car. So sort of those lateral type movements that... And this would provoke pain? Provoke pain, yes. Um, and it can be excruciating. There's, you know, extreme levels of, of how it would affect people. But, um, yeah, so that's essentially what it is. It's, a, it's an abnormal widening of that joint, the, the structure between the joint. Okay. And so those two sides of the joint are connected by um, fibrocartilage. Yes. Is that... Um, Correct. And, and, yep. and that helps to provide strength, and but it also allows for rotational movements right. that are required for people to... For yeah, all, you have for to be able to, to transfer move. load back and forth and, and from the top of your, like from your trunk down to your pelvis as well. You need to be able to transfer that load and within our structures we have what would be considered form closure and force closure. So force would be directed by muscles, essentially, Mm -hmm. and form is how everything's put together, assembled, sort of the alignment of the the bony structure. And when something contributes to that being misaligned, Mm -hmm. which certainly there's lots of changes that are happening in pregnancy from our center of gravity shifting and the the hormones that we talked about, then... Like the relaxin, that pregnancy hormone that actually will soften that uh, fiber cartilage. Yeah, and our... the posture changes and that, as I mentioned, the, the shifting center of gravity and uh, how we carry ourselves, all these, sometimes there's adaptations we have that we don't even know that we're doing, but we're undergoing because of all those changes and they can contribute to misalignment in that pelvis. It could be tight muscles on one side, all sorts of things can contribute to that, which can then transfer into that front joint and contribute to, to those um all sorts of different types of pain symptoms, but those ones that I listed earlier would probably be the most common ones. Right. And can it also lead to sexual pain as well? Absolutely. Yes. And so, is that during pregnancy and after the yeah. birth of the baby? Yeah. Also? So in some, it will go, it, it will often show up in pregnancy. Some, it can show up quite early. Usually it's in the third trimester, um, it, most commonly, I would say, but most will dissipate after the baby is born. So once the pregnancy is over, it'll subside. But there are some that linger on and on. And um, from an ongoing basis, 
whether it's right after or months or years afterwards, pain is definitely, it inhibits function. Uh, obviously, if you're, if you're sensitive or thinking that there's something's going to be painful, that's going to affect your sex life. Absolutely. Of course. And there's a lot of other things that happen within pregnancy and birth as well that can also play a role in lack of confidence and, and affecting the the sexual desire, so to speak. But pain would definitely be up there as a oh, huge one. Definitely would decrease desire. And so normally this joint, the width of the joint is three to five millimeters, but it can right. actually widen as much as nine to 10 millimeters. Yeah, in pregnancy, it can usually widen up to, they, they consider normal would be up to about four additional millimeters. And then, okay. so usually if it's above 10 millimeters or more, that's when they would consider it to be abnormal and needing to do something. So if it remains abnormally wide and treatment wise it's usually conservative treatment so there's well, i want to get to diagnosis first yeah, so how, okay, sure. how is the best way to diagnose this so obviously you can't use x-rays during pregnancy no so if you're it, because of the because the symptoms are so consistent oftentimes they will just do they can do some manual palpation or just ask people to do certain tasks and if it elicits those pain points, then they can make assumptions. Okay. And so, but in, in terms of imaging, uh, postpartum x-ray MRI, would, X-ray, be, yeah, yes, would yeah. be the best uh, way yeah. to do that. So yeah, so this is very interesting. And, it, and again, it'll cause a negative quality of life for people after they've had the baby and it may impact how they maybe even care for the baby or the sleep that they get or their, their inability to move. Really. It's, of it's, course. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's really like a, a chronic pain condition yeah, that can last years. And that's what I've heard from some of the people who have emailed me. So when I come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about what you can do if you have this condition and know that there are treatment options. As Kim has told me, there are treatment options later, way down the road. So never give up. I'm Maureen McGrath and you are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you on Father's Day. Thank you so much for being here with me this evening. I have asked you to either call me 1-877-399-9898 and let me know the best advice from your father. And I've received a number of emails and I will continue, or because I said you can call me, right? But nobody's called me yet. (laughs) I'm not offended. Don't worry. I'm not hurt or anything. I'm good. I'm okay with it. Uh, (laughs) Because I had a strong father, I have some self-confidence. No, but I did say you could email me as well. And some people have emailed me. I really don't have that much self-confidence. But anyway, um, so this one from Edward. Uh, I like this advice. Don't quit your job unless you have another job lined up. That's actually good advice. You will never be out of work if you show up on time, be appropriately dressed with a good attitude, and never feel bad about asking questions. You're as smart as anyone else. Put in an honest effort. I love this part. Best Catholic guilt quotes. Your mother is crying in her room right now. I hope you're happy. And your mother is disappointed. No, no, your mother and I are very disappointed. Sigh. That's from Edward. I just said today, you know, Catholic guilt comes in handy every now and again. You know, it really, it really, it, it, it uh, sorts you out. It's, it straightens things out a little bit. It puts things in perspective as well. Uh, anyway, that's another story. Um, but thanks, Edward, for that. So if you want to send me your father's best advice, email me if you're more comfortable than talking to me on the phone. I, there's nothing to be afraid of for me. But anyway, you can email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com. But right now, we are talking about DSP, diastasis, symphysis, pubis, or and diastasis rectus with Kim Vopney, the vagina coach. And uh, this is a pain condition. It happens during pregnancy because of 
relaxin and other hormones that actually relax areas of the pubic bone. Um, and it can cause a lot of pain. There are certain things that aggravate it. So ladies, I would recommend you no longer do housework, such as vacuuming, mopping, and cleaning the shower, because that will certainly aggravate this. But we're going to talk now to Kim about what are some of the other aggravating factors for DSP and what are some of the treatments for this? So Kim, thanks for staying in the studio talking about this very important subject. So what are some of the aggravating factors for DSP? And tell me, I'd like to talk about diastasis rectus as well and what that is. Yeah, so that's a a different thing, but it certainly can contribute. I would say there's many things that are all intertwined when you're talking about the core and the pelvis and the abdomen in pregnancy and birth. But so aggravating factors, uh, the the pregnancy itself is an aggravating factor. I would say certain lateral movements, uh, the positioning that you might be sleeping in. So anything that's going to allow the legs to come closer together or if you have to push off of one side. Mm-hmm. So many people will choose to sleep with something in between their knees, like a body pillow or a little wedge in between their knees to keep the pelvis more aligned so that it's not sort of collapsing in. Right. Um, and how about sitting for long periods? Sitting for long periods for for many conditions is is an exacerbating factor for sure. So, mm-hmm. um, however, when you're getting up and down, you need to make sure that you have both feet planted. And this goes; it can be challenging when you're getting it out of a car. I know that the natural tendency, obviously, is to kind of swing one leg over and you get out of the car. But you have to right. s- turn around with both feet at the same time, and mm-hmm. your your movement becomes more diligent and more intentional. I guess I would say, but um, and but you're absolutely. You know, decrease the pain uh, at the same time. Are you compensating with other muscles you, to reduce? There the will pain? always be when you have some pain. There's always going to be some sort of inhibition or compensation patterns that develop as a result. Mm-hmm. So, the more you can offset that, the more you can you know minimize those those pain signals even from coming in the first place will be helpful. Um, some people prefer or feel comfortable wearing almost like a belt. Some people actually take a belt and put it around their pubic around their hips, basically around their pelvis. Mm-hmm. There are specially does designed... That try to... That, does that help to bring... Add some compression. Yeah. So it, compression. so it, it essentially is trying to bring... So the, the, the widening that's happening, it's right. trying to prevent minimize that or that. minimize it or bring them closer. Okay. An, an SI belt is the most common name. There's many different manufacturers of SI belts. Sacroiliac Sacro, belt? Yep, exactly. Okay. Um, so they can definitely be... Uh, it's one of the more preferred methods for people to try initially. And that is a com- provide, I would imagine it provides a compressive force to the three joints of right. the uh, yeah. pelvis to help to normalize movement. Right. So this is uh, something that could really get a woman down. Absolutely. After um, Pain is exhausting. Con- chronic pain is exhausting. And you add that onto an already... Uh, an already exhausting process, really. Pregnancy um, in and of pregnancy, itself. Pregnancy, delivery, labor, and, and delivery, then if you, postpartum. Exactly. If it carries on postpartum, then you are now, you're, you have a person to care for and you have a relationship and you have the dynamics of, of a household to run. You have all these things. And for some, it, it is absolutely, it's isolating, it's debilitating. They can't move. They have chronic pain. It's exhausting. Plus, they're now adapting to motherhood as well. And uh, it it's... Now, uh, it's my understanding, I had a, an email from a woman and she said that it's you know been 15 years since her baby and she is still plagued by the pain associated with diastasis symphys pubis, mm-hmm. pubis, and um, <laughs> pubis, 
It's a tough one. SPD, it whatever is. you want. DSP. Um, she's still plagued by this, and it's actually impacted her sex life and her relationship with her mm-hmm. husband. And um, and she's d- didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Ne- didn't wasn't even certain, you know, that it was the diagnosis. And then um, you know, a friend of hers had actually guided her in this direction. Mm-hmm. Um, is it? Can this pain be resolved? Does, mm-hmm. do, do these compression devices resolve the pain? Yeah. So ideally that's something that's a temporary measure and it's not something that somebody should have to be wearing on an ongoing basis for the rest of their life. But I think the unfortunate part with pregnancy and birth, there there really is a, a, lot, a lot of, there's a lack of information and women accept things as normal and so many things and, and they are often are often told that it's just normal that oh you've had children that's just the way that it is and uh and they're missing out on a lot of uh, amazing care my, my number one thing and this goes for pregnancy postpartum even if you're 20 years postpartum is mm-hmm. pelvic floor physiotherapy i think I that should be if, if pelvic floor physiotherapy would help 100 percent. yep really yeah it, it sh- it's in my opinion, it's the most underused women's health resource that we have. And I think every woman, especially women who've been pregnant and have given birth, should see one annually mm-hmm. um, as a check-in. But if you if you already are experiencing some symptoms, then that should be the first line of defense, in my opinion. So Even the, before the, the SI belt? Well, the, they can try that. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. from a conservative measure, it's not, they're, they're inexpensive. Mm-hmm. It's something they can try. But I, I definitely, regardless of whether that provides relief or not, you should see a pelvic floor physiotherapist for sure. And is it pelvic floor muscle exercises or, or what is it? How do they treat this? Uh, yeah, so it is. Uh, it can be pelvic floor muscle exercise. It could be re- release. So the exercise is not just up training. It's not just making something stronger. Mm-hmm. It can be helping something relax. So in a lot of pain conditions, it can all, all, um, often be hypertonic or muscles that hold too much tone or too much tension. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the exercise component is learning to relax and learning to let go and stretching and release work. Um, so that would that's a part of it. it. They also, physios do manual therapy, so they may be able to help with some manual therapy within the pelvis. Osteopathy mm-hmm. is another um, another treatment mechanism that you can pursue chiropractic sometimes but mm-hmm. even if you have seen an osteopath or a chiropractor they do the manipulation and the sort of the alignment of the bones i do think the in my opinion the muscle aspect is such a key role and really needs to be addressed by an internal therapist right now interesting enough there's a new technology that's out and i know you and i have talked about it it's called emcella it is a chair mm-hmm. uh it's the throne that we've been waiting for ladies um it is uh, a, a high intensity Frequency electromagnetic technology. <laughs> another big that. mouthful. We need another, another acronym. Honestly, do I have to remember <laughs> this on Father's Day? Um, and uh, so it's actually been approved in uh, by Health Canada for urinary incontinence in women, for stress urinary incontinence and urge urinary incontinence. Um, and so... I actually had tailbone pain myself. I, you know, full disclosure here, maybe too much information, but I had a condition called coccidynia and I had injured myself hiking. And I was, I mean, it like, like pain in me. No, it just doesn't go along at all. And I really have very little tolerance for it. And, and so I, I had to have cortisol. I did go to a pelvic floor physiotherapist uh, um, uh, at a, at a ski area <laughs> of all places. <laughs> and, uh, she manipulated my tailbone, mm-hmm. and um, just just that's a visual that you don't want to think about. But anyway, um, manipulated my tailbone, and I did get some relief for a couple of weeks, and mm-hmm. so I, I was actually able to ski. <laughs> so because I'm so active, I am really um, you know I'm in 
involved in a lot of sports. And so then, uh, but that lasted two weeks. And then I had a cortisone injection, which lasted about three months. And that was great relief as well. And then I had another cortisone injection. And then the third one didn't last. And so I was at a, an event and they were demonstrating this chair for urinary incontinence. And I w- my tailbone was killing me. And I just thought, you know what? I don't know, but there's just something about and this delivers 11,200 pelvic floor muscle exercises in 28 minutes. I thought, I'm just going to sit on that chair because, and try it. And, you know, it just feels good. It just feels like it might feel good to have all those pulses, you know, <laughs> against the my tailbone. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of good. I really liked it. I really did. <laughs> and two, that was two months ago. And I have been pain-free ever since. And, you know, I was speaking yesterday at an event and the physician who's been uh, involved in a lot of this technology um, he said he wasn't the least bit surprised that, that that had helped my pain. I'm so happy that that pain is gone. And, you know, like, and I, it was just like, oh my gosh, I like forgot that I had it. Mm-hmm. And now, because and, it does, it, it impacts every single aspect of your life. It takes and over everything. That's it, all you can think about. It does. It's just like, oh, you know, I was in bed, you know, mm-hmm. for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I'm so happy with this. But I think that there may be, um, you know, this, there may be some, merit in in a technology like this you know in, in terms of the pelvic floor but you know yeah, it may we, help women who have pain yeah absolutely pain and, and, and pain. if we can find more there's more and more therapies coming out that are mm-hmm. you know minimally invasive i guess so to speak or, or non-surgical and um and i think it's worth exploring them absolutely it, it, we we have to we have to be open to this new stuff in it and i'm i'm grateful for it coming out because there's there's not one single magic thing that's going to help. Uh, we we need a big toolbox and we need lots of options. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and people need to be know what they need to be aware of what those options are. That's right. It's often combination therapy. It's not like one thing will work yep. and the other thing won't. Right. right. So anyway, yeah. well, I really appreciate all the information that you have provided today. That's Kim Vopney. Her website is vaginacoach.com. You can remember that vaginacoach.com. You know, vagina, that's your favorite word next to gynecologist. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show on this Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Hopefully you are making the most of it. I heard somebody on the beach yesterday say, it's Father's Day weekend and I get to do whatever I want. <laughs> Not true when you've got four kids running uh, uh, running around. <laughs> anyway, trying to corral them. But anyway, it's, uh, everyone's perception is their reality. Uh, I'm very interested in relationships because I, I actually have a clinical practice. I also see patients through uh, a HIPAA-compliant digital technology, uh, HIPAA-compliant for privacy. Um, I see a lot of patients around the world who are having problems in their relationships. And, and sometimes the problem presents as one thing, but it's actually something else. And oftentimes I see that the problems are similar for those people who have experienced trauma. Now, recently I was in Chicago and I had to, I was waiting at the hotel for somebody and there was a conference going on there and it was an author and she had written a book called Baffled by Love, Stories of the Lasting Impact of Childhood Trauma Inflicted by Loved Ones. And it's by Lori Kahn. And I would love to tell you that she's going to be a guest here tonight on the program, but not tonight. 
But in the next uh, few weeks, she has agreed to come on once I read the book. And I, and I have read the book, and it's really an incredible book. She intertwines her own trauma, and now she's a psychologist. She intertwines her own trauma experience as a child from the neglect of her mother um, uh, with those the, the trauma experience, the different types of trauma experienced by many of her patients. And she also... Uh, goes through group therapy, tells stories of um, people in group therapy. So it's a very interesting read. And it made me think about uh, some of the typical behaviors of people who have experienced trauma at a, at a young age. The intensity of a traumatic incident will vary from person to person. It really will affect you depending on your sensitivity. Trauma from when a person was a child can be the result of a crippling fear of abandonment to physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, uh, divorce. Many adults are forced to deal with the trauma that they experience as children throughout their lives because it it takes a really self-actualized parent to say, we're going to get help for these kids given the trauma that they have gone through. If if the parents are self-actualized, self-actualized enough to realize that this is going to have an effect on their children, whatever has happened. If there's been a murder in the family, if there has been, um, m- you know, many people taken lots of foster children and then ignore them. Uh, that was one of the stories in, in her book. So it's sometimes we just hide or we numb ourselves because that's easier than actually dealing with the problems. For some reason, we're afraid to deal with the problems, but there are certainly a number of characteristics that are shared by people who went through trauma at a young age. And I certainly see this in my clinical practice. And one of those is recurrent panic attacks. Those who've had to deal with trauma early on in life often struggle with anxiety as they grow older. I have a patient whose father died by suicide when she was 10. And she has experienced anxiety for her entire life. And it's really negatively impacting her marriage. Whatever they suffered as children still influence them, and that makes them extra jumpy. And this patient is in particular jumpy, and I see that in many of my patients who have experienced trauma. So I, I will often ask, I will always ask patients what their childhood was like, and if there was any significant traumatic events uh, during their childhood. And oftentimes, I'm not surprised to see that. Especially when I learn of a patient who makes do. So any traumatic experience as a child can completely transform the rest of your life. And you'll be anxious because you want to be sure that you'll never be in a situation like that again. So it makes you extra careful at all times and unwilling to take risks, even if you know they're important. So you like to be comfortable, stay where you are, even if you're holding yourself back from realizing your full potential. And I had a patient in my clinical practice uh, the husband had made a lot of money and he wanted to move up and live in a better neighborhood and, and his wife just wanted to stay where they were and didn't want to provide additional opportunities like private school to his kids or their children. And um, and so this caused uh, uh, difficulty in the relationship. Many people who've experienced trauma can be overwhelmed by fear. It, it, trauma hurts you in a million ways. And you may not even realize that until you're much older, these things come out later. And so it could be the fear of a certain type of alcohol. There was a patient I had. She was fearful whenever she heard ice cubes in her house because her mother, who was an alcoholic, um, she always remembers at a certain time the mother would drop the ice cubes into the drink. And that would be the beginning of her getting drunk and then abusing all of the children uh, in the family. And so it's really important to 
win over your fear before it begins to control every aspect of your life. And so that is very, very important. Many people become a recluse because when you've been through so much, it's often easier to hide yourself away from the pity, the sympathy, the blame, especially if it has been a public issue, if, uh, if it's been in the news, that type of thing. And, and a lot of people want to talk about it. They're interested. Um, they might just be nosy. And, and oftentimes people pity you and you don't want to be pitied. And so it's better to hide from society and also the prying eyes of other people. And we often call this social anxiety disorder. And there is help for this. Many people who have experienced trauma as a child become passive aggressive. It's usually easier to beat around the bush rather than directly confront the cause of your problems. You know, sometimes it's good to be comfortable being uncomfortable because you want to be able to talk about this. So when you're too afraid, you tend to spend a lot of time repressing your anger and resentment that has taken hold deep inside of you. And while you may be successful at different times of your life, eventually it will start to find its way out. And you may not be ready for direct confrontation, but you start dealing with it in a passive aggressive way. And this is really unhealthy. This is a very unhealthy way to live in a relationship or in a marriage. You also live in a constant state of tension when you are a child or a childhood victim of trauma. And even though the trauma may have ended a long time ago, many people have difficulty letting it go. And they realize their circumstances have changed, but they're always preparing for the problems to come back. And also, this is a big one, victimizing yourselves. This is what happens when the victim of some form of trauma becomes so used to that role. They are the victim. It is never good. Victimhood is is learned helplessness. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.